Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. AXNO. And now, from the Lithia Body and Paint Sports Desk, powered by BMW of Des Moines, this is an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Playoff hockey is back in Des Moines. The Des Moines Buccaneers get things started last night. Brown, left circle, drop back to the point. The Bucs are set up. Here's Renlund. One time he scores! Sam Renlund with the missile on the power play from the right circle. The voice of the Bucks, Ben Gillison, on the call as Des Moines routes Fargo 7-3 in Game 1. Game 2 tonight at 7 o'clock. To baseball, and the Cubs get back on the winning track. Hit a ton. Deep left center. It is gone. Len Casper on the call from Cubs TV. Home run number six of the year for Wilson Contreras. Cubs back in action tonight. 6-10 first pitch in Miami. Jose Quintana will take the mound for the Cubbies. To Milwaukee and the reigning MVP continues to be a Cardinals killer. Runners are at the corners. Swinging a smash to left center and deep. Get up. Get out of here. Gone for Yelich. Yelich sends it to right and deep. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. Gone. We're going to drive to left center and deep. No, not again. Get up. Get out of here. Gone for Yellich. The call from Bob Euchre on Brewers Radio. A 10-7 win for Milwaukee. Three home runs from Christian Yelich. The Cards and Brewers back at it tonight. 641st pitch. Jack Flaherty takes a mound for the Cardinals opposite Brandon Woodruff. Live from the Wild Rose Casino in Jefferson Studios. You'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, right, welcome back. In hour number two, it's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Mark Simon momentarily, sportsinfosolutions.com, formerly of ESPN, still with ESPN. Zubin Mahente uh, will join us here in about 15 minutes or so as we will go around the world of sports with Zubin. And uh, Zubin in the past has always said how much he enjoyed his time working with Mark and any time he needed something baseball-wise... Make the call to Mark Simon, and he I would help wonder. him. Out. Yes. You know, Zubin knows a whole lot about a whole lot of things. He's yes. had some help, and Mark Simon was his <laughs> baseball. Interesting. Right. Hello, Mark Simon. Uh, Trent and Ken, how are you? Hi, I'm good. You're overselling me just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I, I will acknowledge that uh, I was uh, once or twice the brain behind Zubin, but we had a, a whole staff of about 50 people uh, that made Zubin uh, look smart. We couldn't. We couldn't do anything with his enthusiasm. We couldn't put him down at all. Uh, but uh, we did help him uh, when he needed it. Uh, well, Kristen Yelich, somebody needs to help out the St. Louis Cardinals when it comes to the uh, NL MVP. You've seen this before, Mark. Some guys just, for whatever reason, have an amazing uh, amount of success against one team. Yelich, who's terrific, as you know, eight home runs this year. Seven of them have come against the Redbirds. That's remarkable. Yeah, it's kind of flukish, uh, but you're certainly... You're certainly not going to deny it. He has evolved into um, 
like I'm trying to think of a good comp, like a Chipper Jones at the plate. Like whenever you uh, want him to hit a double or a home run, he seems to hit a double or a home run. Uh, and every piece of magic that uh, he had last season seems to have carried over uh, to this season. He's been fantastic. So I want to get your thoughts a little bit deeper on this Milwaukee team, just the way that they're constructed and, and the viability going forward of a team like this. We saw a year ago the bullpen was set up incredibly well. They have some injuries right now. Jeff is still working his way back and able out for the year. But still with Hader at the back end, you're, you're going to feel confident with that. A very good offense, a lot of different pieces, position flexibility. We see Travis Shaw playing second base. But the concern, at least for old baseball types like myself, is that starting pitching. Can you get through, and can you get through a regular season with a division that looks to be very good with rotation that overall just doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence? No, I think that's a fair uh, comment. I actually, uh, in my preseason predictions, I think I put that the Cardinals would be at somewhere in the 95 range and that the Cubs would be in the 90 range. That's not looking as good right now. Uh, but I had the Brewers in the 84 wing. Mm. There are a lot of things I think that you would like about them. I think you would like Kane. I think you would like Yelich. I think you would like the closer. Uh, I think you would like uh, the the bullpen when it was healthy. Uh, the starting pitching, as you said, is a little suspect. Uh, and it's asking a lot, uh, I think, of young guys like Peralta and Woodruff and Burns to be as good as uh, A, the guys on the Cardinals, B, the, the guys on the Mets and the Nationals. Uh, in competing in the National League. Uh, I, if there was a team that needed Keiko, there's certainly a, a mm. team that uh, that could use him. Interesting. I want to ask you about a team that we never bring up here. Uh, as we remember, we're in Des Moines, Iowa, and the Tampa Bay Rays don't get a lot of love. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of a team in that division. I'm a Blue Jays fan, but it's even it's hard to talk about my team. Yanks and Red Sox, when uh, when they're relevant, that seemingly every year get uh, get some airtime, but the Rays don't, and maybe they should. Uh, is this team who right now leads the East? And were really good last year. Seemingly came out of nowhere, and and the, yet there they were with Snell. And I love Charlie Morton, and I have for a long time. And Alvarado, their closer, is absolutely lights out. But then you get to their position players, and Kiermaier's terrific center fielder. But we don't know a lot about these guys. Are you buying stock, Mark Snyder, in the Tampa Bay Rays? Uh, I think I'm optimistic. I don't know that. That necessarily, I'm all the way there. All right. Uh, Tommy Sam's a pretty good player. Come up from the Cardinals. Uh, yep. The Cardinals in the past. Um, Austin Meadows is looking very promising so far. His numbers are off the charts. Right? I mean, they're not quite Yelich like, but they're close. That's someone that I think could go either way. He could be one of those guys that's April and then busts, or he could be fantastic. They're very high on the shortstop. I know that. Willie really Adamas, uh, who's 250 right now, uh, and they. They think he's going to be a pretty good player for them. I don't think that they match up with the Red Sox or the Yankees over 162 games, but I do think that they're pretty good. I, I would have them in the 85 to 90 range. What do uh, get your thoughts on you, Darvish? We had a conversation at the beginning of the show today uh, just about him. You look at the box score, things look pretty good. Eight strikeouts, velocity back up, especially even at the end of the game. It has been a, a disappointing, certainly, start to his Cubs career going back to last season. When you look at him... You look at the kind of pitcher he is, and, and when you look at those numbers that you guys have at Sports Info Solution, going forward, what what do you see of coming out of you, Darvish? Boy, uh, well, I would hope for good health because uh, right. he didn't have that much of that uh, before. 
his fastball seems to have lost some zip. I'm looking at it right now. The 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 numbers for his fastball right at the start of the season are boy, they're rough. Uh, and I, I think that he's going to have to. That's that's something he's going to throw a lot, right? So he's going to have to figure out uh, something with that. He's only lost a little bit of a lot, uh, so I would be a little concerned about that. Uh, I don't know that he necessarily gets the chases uh, that he used to get either. Um, they're close. They're, they're they're reasonable, but they're not. I guess they're not as impressive, and they're not as uh, much of a finish you off. He's not as, as much of a finish you off kind of guy as he was. I think he's got a lot of mileage on his arm, and I think the expectations for him were set way too high with this contract. Hmm. Mark Simon, uh, SportsInfoSolutions.com. I want to um, ask you about Chris Bryant, but before I do this, I don't want to t- run out of time, Mark. I want to um, kind of pick your brain a little on analytics and, and when this became um, really, I mean, all teams now employ analytic people. It's seemingly like the Giants signed a, a free an, uh, a free agent who was at the head of his class in analytics, apparently, and that was a guy that the that the Giants had to have. When, as you think back, did analytics really start to make a major impact in all sports? Quite honestly, well, Moneyball certainly jumps to sure. um, Michael Lewis's book, uh, and then the subsequent movie, which made over a hundred million dollars. But see, I think if you go back through the history of the game, that there are always uh, teams that are looking for advantages in some way. You go back to the Yankees, uh, in which I have a little expertise here, uh, with Casey Stengel and platooning and getting uh, the right hands up in the right situation. And you go back to the Brooklyn Dodgers, who used to chart pitches before everybody else did. Uh, the A's and the book just kind of uh, brought everything to someone's attention, and then once one team, once people saw that a team had success with it, it's copycat sports. Everybody just copied the other, and then you see teams like the Rays and the Pirates uh, do it. The rich teams say, shoot, we can do this too. We can load up with 20 analytics guys uh, and be the best uh, in that and find the most uh, expensive guys and be, and be uh, a juggernaut, I guess, so to speak. Uh, Mark Simon is our guest. All right, so Trent asked you about you, Darvish, and what you see there. What are you seeing with Chris Bryant, who, granted, he was injured last year, and that seemed to be the reason the numbers were were so uh, so down from what he'd done earlier in his career. Uh, what are you seeing with him? He's off to another slow start. What do the numbers say about Chris Bryant? Boy, the, the shoulder is, is apparently taking a little uh, longer to heal than you would have uh, initially thought. Um, he seems to be having trouble. I'm looking at this right now. He seems to be having trouble with stuff that cuts sharply. Sliders and, and cutters uh, have given him trouble the last two years. Uh, maybe the reaction is just not as uh, sharp as they used to be uh, for him. I think he's still going to be a great player. I would not uh, give up on, on him by any means. Uh, I just think you have to wait it out. And when when he's healthy, he's going to be... 30 home runs at RBI guy, uh, no doubt. So I think you just have to wait it out until he's all right. All right, Mark, I uh, want to go into another part of the analytics, and, and it seems like defensive positioning has been kind of the next front that has been out there, more and more information out there as it pertains to that. After, I don't know, we quote-unquote figure out defensive positioning shifts, everything else, what's next? What What are you guys looking at a Sports Info Solution What's the next big frontier for baseball in terms of, of the analytics? Well, there's still a long way to go with uh, the <laughs> positioning, right? Sure. Because everyone reads about infield shifts 
and how teams are doing things that way. But outfield shifting is interesting, too. We just did a presentation at the Society for Baseball Research National uh, Analytics Conference about that and how teams are um, more willing to track things like really sliding outfield over when LeMahieu's up or Joe Mauer's up or some uh, an extreme tendency is up. And uh, one of my colleagues just looked this up. Four-man outfields uh, are, uh, po- uh, huh. I don't want to say popular because popular is relative, but uh, they're much more popular than they used to be. Teams are trying against Grindahl, Brandon Belt, uh, players of that ilk. And I think that uh, that you're going to see more of those things in the future uh, before we move on to something else. Hmm. Uh, what do the numbers say regarding, because Trent and I have this conversation periodically. Um, we both feel, if Trent says it's Scherzer, I'll say it's DeGrom. And if he goes one week, now you know what, I'll take DeGrom. I'll be, I'm happy with Scherzer. They seem to be the two guys at the, the top of the class when it comes to National League pitchers. Is that borne out in the numbers? Yeah, I, um, I think if you go over like three years, I think it's max, and I don't necessarily think that it's that close. Uh, the thing that's that's most amazing about him is he has four great pitches. There are only a couple of guys. Verlander in his prime have this too. There are only a couple of guys that have four elites: uh, fastball, shaded uh, curveball, slider, uh, and he's it's not just like a one-year thing for him. It's a four-year thing. The ground to a lesser extent, uh, but I'm more impressed with uh, Max over the long run. He's amazing. It, it impresses me how at his age he's still able to do that. And uh, I got to see Jacob DeGrom get beat up by the Twins last week, so <laughs> I, I tilted back the other direction. All right, a selfish one. We'll get out of here. My Minnesota Twins are in first place. A believer in this team. What do you see when you take a look at the Twinkies? I think of how bad the division I think that it's it's there to be gotten for them if they want to try and get it, especially with Clevenger out and Kluber bad for uh, Cleveland. Uh, Minnesota came in and looked pretty good against the Mets. Pineda is a three ERA guy and a a big winner. And Gibson is a solid winner. And Barrios is a Cy Young contender. Uh, I think you got something there, and I think you got a team that hangs in uh, into September, whether they win it or not. Uh, I think that's more dependent on Cleveland and how they handle their stuff uh, than uh, how good Minnesota is. Well, I was going to ask you about Vladdy Guerrero Jr. after he wins Rookie of the Year, how many MVPs he's going to win, but we'll <laughs> save that for next time. Sports Info Solution, Mark Simon, listen, fascinating conversation. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks. Follow us on Twitter, Sports Info underscore SIS. Good stuff. Thank you. Good to talk to you, Mark Simon, as we talk a little analytics in baseball. I'm late to the party, Trent, mm-hmm. old school, but uh, they're a thing. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not mistaken, right? The Giants and the Astros got into bidding war over an analytics guy this offseason. It's crazy. I, I follow and listen to a podcast, Minnesota Twins guy that works for Baseball Perspectives up there, Aaron Gleeman. And he goes on and Paul made a nice show. living doing that. Yes, he is now one of the head guys at Baseball Perspectives, but he'll talk from time to time that, oh, yeah, one of our writers just got hired by Team X. Mm-hmm. These are guys writing about Unreal. baseball, taking a different look at things. The defensive analytics, I, 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 don't, I don't love it. I don't love the shifting and everything else, but it, it's is it here to stay? Yes, unless they outlawed. Right, right, and that could be... 
real possibility? I, can they do that, though? It's strategy. That's, that's what I think, too. I, I don't know if they can. It's an oddity. Well, it's time to go for the green with KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword SUPER to 200-200 right now. That's your chance to win $1,000 cash. That's SUPER to 200-200 standard uh, message and data rate supply. We're back with Zubin Mahente, ESPN, Miller & Condon, or on Des Moines Sports Station 1460. Boot Barn. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. We take you up until noon here today. Murph and Andy at 2, Fanatics at 4, and then we'll do it all again tomorrow morning on the Morning Rush. Zubin Mahente, ESPN, he joins us as we go around the world of sports with, I'm guessing, a heavy NBA flair today. <laughs> How are you, Zubin? Doing good. I know we were texting, just for the listeners, Ken and I were texting a couple nights ago. or maybe it was even Last before. night, yeah. And uh, you wake up, you got one team that scores 51 points in a quarter, yeah. outscores the other team by 28 and a quarter, and that gets upstaged by the biggest playoff comeback in NBA history. That's for not bad. Not bad for one night of two games. Not at all. So last night, I'm watching, and I had a wager. So I, I'm <laughs> I'm a little more invested than I normally would in a 31-point game as it was with the Warriors. And then they get it inside of 20, and my number was 13 and a half. So, I, all right, I'll, I'll flip it on. I'll see what's going on. See if we can get a backdoor cover. The Clippers just kept chipping away, chipping away. It leads to me to a bigger conversation. I don't think the Clippers are going to win this series, that this changes anything in the first round. But with the Rockets possibly waiting in the conference semifinals, the conference finals, and then a championship round against whoever comes out of the East, how susceptible in your mind are the Warriors to to falling in a series here and not being NBA champs again? I don't want to fall back on a cliche, but a lot of it could end up just being what a lot of people have thought and yesterday actually proved it the best way possible for these critics and the worst way possible for the Warriors. And that is there is a mantra out there that the only thing that can stop the Warriors is the Warriors yep. and boredom. And I think people thought that when you get to the regular season, okay, you know, last year, remember, they had 58 wins. They did not have the home court throughout. Houston did, as you mentioned. And that was seen as like a massively disappointing year. <laughs> and the year ended with the Warriors winning the title and Kevin Durant being the MVP of the finals for the second straight season. They're looking for their fourth title in five years, which is rare. And they're looking for their fifth straight finals appearance, which was last done by the Celtics of the 50s and 60s. So you always want to keep in mind what's at stake here. But if anybody wanted to go to the well of say, how could a team be bored during the regular season? Okay, fine. They can't possibly be bored during the playoffs. After all, a lot of people think this might be the team's last run yep. together. If there's any level of motivation to be had, regular season's one thing. They got the one seed. They didn't care about getting the one seed, but this is the playoffs. Let's go out with a bang if indeed Durant leaves or Draymond leaves or Clay leaves or whatever the case may be if the team is broken up. And last night was a perfect example of they can get bored. They just cannot finish teams off. And the biggest concern, Trent, is DeMarcus Cousins, who got himself injured during the game, diving for a loose ball in the open floor. And Woj is saying that it's a uh, torn quad. Steve cursed it after the game without official confirmation of the MRI that he's going to be out for a while. So that's a tough luck situation for the Warriors. Uh, and for him personally. No, Dazubin, uh, I've brought this up a couple of times. The uh, the 60-minute piece 
uh, from this past Sunday on the on the Warriors. I I found it fascinating. I really did. And you know, it's you get the well. I mean, anybody could coach that team. It was kind of similar to the Bulls. I'm assuming. Um, Steve Kerr, what he has said, uh, what he said in the piece was, you know, it's not about coaching the guys when they're out the, they're on the floor. It's trying to get through the season and keep them focused and keep them having fun and the boredom came up a couple of times in the interview Zubin it's absolutely a thing isn't it it is and I think what happens is even like a team like Michael's Bulls the 72 and 10 team a team that the Warriors actually eclipsed when they went 73 and 9 this is before they got Durant they were 73 and 9 and I think when people look at the constant comparisons you say all right we're going to talk about the Celtics we have to talk about the Lakers and if we're going to talk about LeBron we have to talk about Michael and in this case, if we're going to talk about the Warriors, we have to talk about the Bulls. And most people, Trent, I'm sure you remember, grew up a big Bulls fan. Uh, on the way to 72 and 10 with Michael and Scotty and Horace and Cartwright and Phil um, and all those guys, BJ, um, they never seemed bored, you know? But then again, we didn't know everything about them. We weren't constantly following them 24 hours a day on social media because that wasn't an option. But their contemporaries never looked like they were bored. Their contemporaries always looked thrilled. And it's one of those things where I think that's an unfortunate comparison because you don't want to stack up two teams like that in different eras. You want to look at teams for what they are. But at the end of the day, what Kerr has been able to do, and his backstory that many people know is pretty phenomenal, and obviously being groomed by Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich as a player is pretty amazing when it comes to imparting some wisdom as a coach. At the end of the day, X's and O's are critically important. Analytics are becoming a bigger deal in NBA front offices. But what you're finding with the Lakers search is what you're finding league-wide, and the Warriors did the same thing. And that is we need a coach that the players respect. You don't need a great X's and O's guy. I believe David Blatt was either 30-11 and 11 or 31-11 and 11 when the Cavs fired him <laughs> because LeBron didn't like him. And he didn't really want a guy that was a tactician. He wanted a guy that he could respect. And obviously, it ended up working with Ty Lue. They won a championship together. So the Lakers hired their next coach. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a brilliant tactician. It's just somebody that the player with the highest IQ in the league respects. Last thing with Kerr, always remember, he had two choices. If you think back, people don't think about this now. The Knicks had an opening, and Phil Jackson was their GM slash president. And a lot of people thought, because of Phil's association with Steve, that Steve would end up coaching the Knicks. Instead, the Warriors fired our Mark Jackson, and that opened the door. So can you believe that? He had a choice between the Knicks and where they are now or the Warriors and mm. where they are now. He chose wisely, I would say. I think that's a pretty safe assumption to make. And, and isn't there a trickle-down trying to get you back? If, if he would have chosen the Knicks, wasn't Hoiberg going to get the Warriors? There was some indication that that was possible, but oh. I think what was going to end up with the Warriors was they were really upset, believe it or not, uh, and I actually love him as an analyst, but there's a lot of just different opinion about Mark as a head coach. I think he would have been a great head coach. He's a great motivator, and you need that, especially when we're talking about a team that is fighting boredom, right? A guy that can motivate can, can fight off a team that's got a lot of boredom. Remember, Mark said before he got fired, and he was widely criticized for this statement, and now I think he should be wearing it on a T-shirt and strutting around. He basically said, I think Curry and Clay are the best shooting backcourt in NBA history. When he made that comment about, uh, I think it was six years ago he made that comment, people rolled their eyes. And now I think that might be yeah, right. the most prescient thing that's been said about the NBA in the last decade. I don't think a lot of people, maybe Kerr again with his in- intuition, I don't know in 2013 when Mark was leading the team and they were getting eliminated 
in the second round of the playoffs by the Clippers. You know, I don't think a lot of people may have realized what the Warriors had back then. So whether it was Hoiberg, whether it was Steve Kerr, somebody was walking into a team that Mark Jackson had built. And if you talk, listen to Curry and especially Curry and Clay, they will tell you how much they enjoyed playing for Jackson and what Jackson did for them. And in a way, and I'm not equating this, but in a way, it's sort of like what Dungey laying the blueprint for Gruden. You know, Gruden got them over the top when Dungey took them so far. I think the NBA media at large doesn't think Jackson took the Warriors that far. But I think if you ask the guys intimately involved, like Curry or Clay, they would tell you that Mark put them on the path and Steve got them over the top eventually. ESPN Zubin Mahente joining us here, Miller and Condon on KXNO. Zubin, the Lakers' job is open. LeBron could leave. He's got the movie deal, of course, in front of it. And then the offseason of movement, people talking about maybe Kyrie and Durant joining up here. We'll get through the playoffs. We'll watch the games. We'll be enjoy. We'll enjoy it as we go through it. But the upcoming NBA offseason, maybe even more compelling than what we're going to get through these playoffs? Oh, I think so. I mean, I think in some ways, uh, if you want to talk about boredom, on some nights in the NBA, it's not just the Warriors. It's the league in general because the league is so top-heavy, and there's so much bad basketball at the bottom. They've tried to change the lottery where they've changed the lottery format this year. For Zion Williamson, it evens out a little bit among the bottom three teams. It always used to be the worst team had a 25% chance to get the number one overall pick. Now the bottom three teams each have a 14% chance. They did that to try to basically prevent any sort of tanking to say, basically, if you finish with the worst record, there's no guarantee you're even going to have the best percentages, even though I don't think 25% is very good, 14% is even worse. But I think on nights when the season was boring, that this conversation was bigger. Who's LeBron's head coach going to be? Where's Kawhi Leonard going to end up? How many max free agents are the Clippers going to get? How many max free agents are the Knicks going to get? They're confident they can get two. Um, Can that happen? Uh, What will happen to the Dallas Mavericks when they pair Porzingis? If he can get out of his legal problems with Doncic, with Dirk now Mm. stepping away? What's going to happen with the Celtics? How about Oladipo when he returns to the Pacers? And obviously the Bucks were the only 60-win team in the NBA this year, and they have home court advantage throughout the playoffs, and they haven't been out of the first round since 2001. So I think right now what stands is interesting, but you're right. The chess piece is moving in and around July 1st. It's going to be like the summer of LeBron, the summer of Durant. <laughs> A couple of years ago, we had the summer of Hayward, which wasn't nearly as exciting. <laughs> but this year, it's going to be really ramped up. Did you uh, happen to work with Barry Melrose last night? I did work with Barry last so night. So yeah. did, did he bring up Savechnikov and Ovechkin? And what was his take on the young 19-year-old clearly fighting out of his weight class, but provoking it and asking for it, and Ovechkin accommodating him, and Savechnikov wishes that uh, he wouldn't have answered the bell. What was what was Melrose's take on that, Zubin? It was it was fascinating. We actually, I, it was so interesting. I asked about it twice, which is not a great TV thing. Once you're done, right. just move on. You know, just move on to the next thing. There were other games last night, but a couple of things he said. I was shocked to see this was Raleigh's first home playoff game in a decade. And then the next line was Ovi's first fight in nine years. Has it been <laughs> that long? Wow. Think was, yeah, first fight in nine years for Ovi. Special is I think many hockey people and Barry told me last night, idolized Ovechkin yep. growing up. He's actually the youngest guy in the playoffs. In all the playoff teams, he's the youngest guy. He's 19 years old. And Barry just said, you kind of have to know what you're getting into here. 
Now, the way his head hit the ice, for your listeners that didn't see it, it was really scary. And a guy that scores 50 goals a season and maybe on probably doesn't need to get into fights. And I would caution people before the end of watching that video. But his main point was it was stunning to see because, you know, even though Ovechkin doesn't fight, what he's got in him and what he's capable of doing. I will say, though, and I think Barry made a That's great awful. point here, the kid may have lost the fight. But in some ways, it actually spurred the Hurricanes because once that happened, yeah. it just seemed like the flips, uh, the switch flipped and the Canes looked like they had come to life and they were completely dormant throughout the first three games of the series. I think they won the game 5 nothing. So sometimes you do those things to get a rise out of somebody. Now, I don't know when a 19-year-old gets a rise out of one of the greatest players the sport has ever seen. But whatever happened there, he obviously paid the price. It ended up paying off some dividends we had to for the first three games of the series at all. No doubt about it. Zubin, we're having major phone problems with you. Um, you're, you're breaking up seemingly every other word. We can hardly understand you. Oh, sorry about that. Is it any better, or we probably have to cut it off? I uh, probably have to, uh, yeah, cut her off. Uh, Zubin, thank you, my okay. friend. We'll talk to you next week, okay? All right, take care. Good to talk to you. Zubin Mahente. Best words were take care at the end. It got clear. <laughs> that was hard to listen to. So apologies to the audience. Zubin's a terrific guest. Yes. And obviously very knowledgeable, but uh, it was... Um, it's hard to listen to. I had the cell phone. It happens from time Gremlins, to time. Trent Condon, and what is what it was? Is, uh, what happened to us there? All right, we'll take our final break. We, we do have one, don't we? Not we this do. Yes. Uh, we'll come back. We'll wrap things up. Quintana on the bump tonight for the Cubbies. He went or struck out eleven last time he pitched. Over under tonight, eleven. I'll take the under. Uh, no, 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 no. It's not eleven. I was going to say over under sef- six and a half. Under. Under. Whoa. Not they're playing the Marlins. Under. Still under. You, you have, have confidence no, that Jose no, Quintana is going to have back-to-back good starts? No, 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 no. I don't. I really don't. You know what? Let's stay on speaking of sports gambling stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's been a big story. The better who cashed his first sports bet of his life. For one point one million, was it something right in that like range, that? Yep. Uh, in Vegas, apparently flew to Vegas for the sole purpose of betting on Tiger Woods, and showed up with eighty five thousand dollars to make his first bet on sports. Something is not passing the smell test. It's not. What What do you think it is? I mean, obviously, Trent. Here's I love Twitter. <laughs> I hate Twitter. Okay. You searched during the break, Masters rigged. Oh, really? The Masters was rigged. You would be stunned how many people, according to Twitter, truly believe that that was the case. That miraculously, somebody who was part of the conspiracy knew right where to put that pine cone <laughs> on 15. <laughs> Molinari. Molinari. Yes. You know, yeah. Is he in on it? Or it just- uh, well, you know, it, I, I I don't know. I, I I guess if I would have gone far enough through Twitter, I would have found somebody that did truly believe that he was in on it. Um, Conspiracy theories. It's unbelievable. The I mean, Masters was rigged. The Masters was rigged, according to Twitter. But back to the back to my original yeah. point. This guy. This is a, the, the story goes. He was um, in debt twenty five thousand dollars, which. It's, it's a big number, but, yeah, yeah. you know, who hasn't been? <laughs> you can dig out of it. You can. Um, but then he thought one of the solutions to his problems was to somehow scrape together 
$85,000, fly to Vegas, and make this wager on Tiger Woods. Now, it paid off, obviously. In a big way. In a big way. But I don't buy it. There's just something that doesn't make sense to me, Trent. What about you? You do this daily. Scraping together $85,000, that's part one. Mm-hmm. How This guy was in his 20s, right? Uh, he looked like maybe 30, but okay, t- okay 20s or 30s. Late 20s, early yeah, 30s. Somewhere yeah, somewhere around right there. In that range. From Wisconsin. Scraping together 85 Gs isn't exactly the easiest thing to do, at least for most people. There's some people out there that's no problem. And scraping it together for the sole purpose of going to bet on Tiger Woods and the Masters. So you go to your parents, say, hey, I need I need 20000 You go to grandpa and grandma, <laughs> right. another 5000 there. You go to I'm a, in a little trouble. A, a I, need, I, need, I, need some, I need some help because I'm going to bet on sports. <laughs> yeah, it's not to pay off my mortgage. No, behind, no, no, not no. Uh-uh. To keep my house, not to... The Uncle Rocco is knocking on my door. It's not that. No, it's to make it's to a take bet. This money, I'm going to fly to Vegas and bet on Tiger Woods to win the Masters. Mm-hmm. Doesn't pass the smell test to me. What do you think is is? Because I have a theory, and I'm not sure. I I think he was there to bet it for somebody else. I oh, I, I think, okay. and that's perfectly legal. Right, right, yeah, uh, yeah. There's nothing nefarious no, about what we're no. saying here. I I just but don't buy his that story. Want to be be a part of it? I don't know. I just. I mean, his first bet ever in sports. Which also doesn't... All of a sudden, you come up with this brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. This, this is the solution to your financial troubles. So you're going to round up this money, go to Vegas, and you've never gambled on sports before, but this, this is how it's going to all yep. come Your maiden in. voyage is the Masters of Tiger Woods, who hasn't won a, hadn't won a major in decades. Not an investment opportunity, nothing like that. Uh-uh. This, sports wagering, for the first time ever. Yep. This is how I'm going to make my million. I, I don't buy the story. I don't either. And it's 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 all over Twitter. It's it is. all over Twitter. I don't know what I don't know what is, we're going to find out in the days, weeks, months to come. But we're going to hear more about this story. And and again, if he's running for somebody, it's it's perfectly fine. He sold uh, this, according to our buddy Nick Schmidt. He sold eighty five thousand of Nick Amazon. Nick Schmidt, I know that name. Nick yeah. Schmidt. Nick Schmidt. Yeah, filled in for you from. over at Media. Yes, Com. I remember guy. that. He sold eighty five thousand of Amazon stock. Uh, from an online article he saw. So that's where the money came from. That's but, so, so if he's in deep water and he's got Amazon stock, Amazon stock's worth a pile of money, isn't it? Right. How deep of a... I mean, if you could do that, then you could just pay off your 25 uh, uh, Absolutely. Sell stock. There's more. Something's, uh, something's off. It's, something's off, no doubt about it. Uh, we'll be off in 15 minutes, but we've got to take our break before we come back. We'll wrap things up. We're Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 14... Org. See you there. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. A little tumbling dice. As we get set to depart the studios for a Tuesday, busy night in sports trend content yeah, for a really good one. It really is a good one, isn't it? Where will you spend most of your night? Oh, I, I think it's a bounce around night. It just kind of depends on what's getting good, what's interesting. but What you bet between now and, and start time? Also a part of it, you know me well, because the hockey I'm into. Yep. Which one tonight? If you could watch one series, would it be Columbus-Tampa to see if Columbus pulls the upset? I'm into the Islanders story. Are you? Another one. Another upset story. And the Penguins, a team that I at least know some of the guys. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that name. So makes it a little bit more entertaining for me. So that's probably where my night will probably start, I would guess, is with that one. I'll watch your Jets tonight against the Mm -hmm. Blues. 
little bit of local angles, Sharks and, and Knights tonight, but that's the one. NBA tonight. Uh, Raptors and the Nuggets are both playing tonight. So yes. Raptors with Nick Nurse and Monte Morris and the Denver Nuggets. I think both win. I do. Come back. Yeah, I do. Game two. Zigzag theory in effect. That would paid off for you last night, did it not? It did. And I really like the Portland uh, OKC series. OKC. See another Iowa State Cyclone there with uh, what DeAndre Burton. Burton, yep. And Nader, both on the bench. And Nader, yeah. So uh, a couple of guys there. So. NBA I don't doesn't. think either of them played on Sunday, and I watched most of the game after the Masters. I don't think they saw the floor. And then baseball. We get Yankees-Red Sox starts tonight. Pass. Pass. Yep. June, July, maybe a little yeah, more. Later on. Yeah. You know, I asked Mark Simon, um, our analytics guy at the top of there, are you are you buying stock in Tampa Bay? You have to buy stock in either the Atlanta Braves or the Tampa Bay race this year. Ooh, for this year? This year. I would say... Ooh. That's tough. It is tough, isn't it? I like Tampa. I, the East in the National League is so difficult. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it is in the American League, but Toronto's rebuilding. Yep. Baltimore, though, they played better than I think they anybody have. anticipated. Yep. One on Patriots Day, which i I got to think that that's a rarity, right, for the visiting team it to feels win that on, way. Seemingly. 10 a.m. start. Mm-hmm. You would think that. I don't know. Boy, I'd, I'd have to... That one keeps milling around in my head. Snell is one of the best pitchers in the league that yep. nobody knows. Right. Last year, what, 18 wins, ERA, under two and a half. He was outstanding a year ago. That's a difficult one. I'd have to I'd have to think a little deeper on that. Just for this year. Just this year. Because I think going forward, it's Atlanta. I do, too. With all the young And they're talent. locking their guys up, too, which is yes. great on their part. Osuna, Okuna yeah. got a deal. Yeah, yeah, a lot of those guys. Hmm. I, I will think on that one right. a little bit deeper. Uh, Cubs Baseball tonight, tonight yeah, Quintana. Cubs. Quintana, you're you're into that one. And Flaherty for the Cardinals going up against the Brewers. Yes. Flaherty's um, my guy on that Cardinal staff. It's a good night of sports. Woodruff on the other side for the Brewers. Twins. And Woodruff's a good player. Blue Jays, our teams yeah. doing battle. I won't see much of it. Annabelle Sanchez taking the bump. Is he? One of the few Blue Jays he can get excited about. I'm excited about a week from now because I think Guerrero is about to get the call. Aha. I think they're finally going to elevate him to the majors. Not Annabelle, Aaron Sanchez for yeah, the right. Jays. Um, but but Guerrero's got me a little excited. Yeah. I mean, there's not many reasons to watch my team this year. That'll be one of them. That'll be maybe the one of them. So it'll be a lot of Cubs and Cardinals yep. and Brewers yep. and Twins for you this Absolutely. summer. Watch the little Royals last night. They blew another lead. Did they? Oh. Boy, that bullpen's atrocious. Is, I, I can't come up with the words to describe I've seen bad bullpens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just one after another. And, and Guys, think about how it's changed. They went from the top of the heap. From that, that three-headed monster. Four-headed that they had. monster. Well, the first year was three. Then, then they, they, got they to the went LC, four. Then yeah. went to four. The way they revolutionized baseball. Mm-hmm. They changed baseball. And now, I've got a guy in there that can get an out. <laughs> Sadly. be a long year. But you know what? The tickets will be uh, plentiful. And yes. probably easy to come by. Cheap to come by at Kauffman State. Still one of the greatest. I think one of the best ballparks. I love going one. to Kauffman. Yeah. I do. I love Kauffman Stadium. Target Field to the North pretty damn good as well. It is. What, uh, so what's going to get your attention tonight? Well, um, the Jets and the Blues. But the that Jets. doesn't start till late 30. I'm going to watch the Cubs. I want to see Quintana. If he can put back-to-back good starts together. Um and then Chris Bryant, is he a, is he going to finally wake up out of this slump? And I know one game's not going to make a difference, but you just got to see some sign of life, don't you? You would hope so. It's, see some pop more than anything. You know, Jason he, Hayward's leading, carrying that team offense. Think what I just said. It's ridiculous. It, and, and your guy Contreras, he's off to a yes. great start as Six well. Six homers. 
Is that what he's got now? Wow. Up to six. That's good. On pace for... You like the on pace? No, score? I don't like the on pace. <laughs> I don't like the on pace thing. Uh, have you got a bet? That, have you got one game you like more than the others at all yet? Not yet. Probably okay. zigzagging again tonight in NBA NHL. Going to look a little deeper here this afternoon. See if anything bounces out. You know, in a way, I almost I know the Islanders are still a big dog tonight. See if they can complete the sweep. Just complete it. Plus one fifty five, one sixty, right in that range. Worth Same things on the other. One of those two going to hit? Maybe. We'll see. So tomorrow when we get here at 10 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. has any of the NFL schedule leaked? Oh. it's It gets unveiled at 8 o'clock. Will we know anything when we're on the air? Of course, I'm only on the air for, with you for an hour tomorrow. Right. I have a plane to catch. To Vegas. Yes. Yeah, we will know some things by the time you we... Think so? In 22 hours, we'll know some stuff. I kind of hope we do. I'm kind. I was, you know, I love going to Vegas. Yeah, I'm disappointed I won't be here Thursday with you because I love the, <laughs> the day after it comes out. Well, we'll have next week to okay. dig back. Promise. In. NFL draft. We'll get our local guys involved yep, next week. Absolutely. But we'll talk to you for an hour tomorrow. Okay. We're. Uh, we'll have David Kaplan as part of that hour tomorrow as well. Brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. Thanks for being here, Murph and Andy. Are next to two the fanatics at four. And Wednesday starts with the Morning Rush on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.